Welcome to Sermons from St. David's, a ministry of St. David's Episcopal Church in Southfield, Michigan. It's a chance for us to share a good word of challenge, inspiration, and hope as we walk the journey of faith together. You're welcome to join us on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. for live in-person worship. You can also join our 10 a.m. Eucharist via Zoom. Just go to our website for the meeting ID and password at stdavidssf.org. You may be seated. But it is great to see you all. Thank you for coming. <laughs> it is raining out. It, I sleep so well when it's raining out. <laughs> but I'd like to begin this morning by telling you a little story. Uh, many years ago, a luxury liner was voyaging across the sea when tragedy struck and the ship began to sink, leaving its many passengers to fend for themselves aboard an array of life rafts. As the days went by and the rations began to diminish, on one particular lifeboat, there was this elderly couple, and they were doing the best they could to survive, each being given a day's ration when it was um, observed that this wife was actually giving her rations to her husband. Why are you doing this? She was asked. Don't you want to stay alive? To which she responded quite resolutely. And she turned and she said, you know, my husband and I have been married for 50 years. We're actually on this voyage to memorialize our anniversary. And one thing we've learned in all those decades is that the point of life is not to stay alive, it's to stay in love. The point of life is not to stay alive, it's to stay in love. Without love, writes St. Paul, I am a noisy gong, I am a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, and if I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. The essence of life, my friends, and as, as we know, and the, the source of all universal energy that's been proposed, is love. God is love, as Christians believe, love in action is God's Son, Jesus Christ. And this is who we meet in this morning's Gospel. Interesting Gospel, isn't it? And this may be for you a life-changing message of love. And why do I say that? Because I think that the risen Christ, that love is alive here this morning, looking to kindle and rekindle the very source of who we are. We came from love. We do our best when we act out of love. And of course, we're returning to love. Maybe in the past week, we've been beat up and spit out by a world that is unfair. It is unruly. It is unpredictable. Maybe we've tried retribution, aggression, avoidance. <clears throat> and maybe today is the day we come back to the realization of that biblical truth uttered so concisely and authentically by our brother Martin Luther King Jr., who said the only way to make an enemy into a friend is through love. The point of life is not to stay alive, but to stay in love. And I'm sure you've tried it, but loving is hard, especially when there are unlovable people out there. It's impossible. But if Jesus showed us anything, it's how to do the impossible, rise from death, have hope, which is why so many of us lovers are here this morning to grow in love. That's what you are. 
you are a lover. Tim Shriver famously wrote, we were made to fall in love, to fall in love with other people, with ourselves, with all things. Our greatest duty and highest calling is to yield to that love. Many of us have come here wanting to yield more completely to love. I have. Wanting to experience, to give, to share, to be more deeply rooted and grounded and motivated and guided by love. We suspect that's what these early disciples in our story gathered around Jesus, that what they want to do, those clueless disciples, which of course is, is just like, like me, maybe you, four-year-old last mom the other day. Does God have a car? Mom said, sure, sure, why, why not? Well, then what color is God's car? Well, probably all colors, said mom. Cool, he said, God drives a rainbow car. You're flying that flag pretty soon. It's sound logic, but it lacks common sense, which we see mimicked by these disciples as they are talking with Jesus on the eve of his arrest, his torture, his death. This morning's gospel, as you know, is from John chapter 14. In the previous chapter 13, we hear Jesus saying, I am going, and where I am going, you cannot come. This is not well received. Who wants to see the mama bird leave the nest when the chicks still can't fly? Peter tries to talk him out of it famously. And then these disciples, Thomas, Philip, they still don't have a grasp on things, and they don't feel comfortable hearing that their leader will soon be saying that they will all be on their own. I get it, I get it, I get it. Years ago, you know, I worked in Battle Creek before I came here, and I was a newly ordained uh, priest, very, very, very young, 20 years ago or so. My mentor left for an extended summer vacation and put me, this brand new associate priest, put me in charge. It happened to be the summer of that historic general convention when the Episcopal Church formally approved the election of Gene Robinson who was the first openly gay man to be a bishop in the Episcopal Church and for that matter, any large mainline church. That summer she chose to go on vacation. Well, of course that convention was all over the news, everybody was talking about it and it would send shockwaves to the church, it would cause division, it would cause disagreement. And as my rector was packing her bags and I had this nagging sense of impending trouble, it was as if she was telling me, where I am going, you cannot come. <laughs> which I received about as well as the disciples, causing my rector to mimic Jesus, do not let your heart be troubled. <laughs> to which I immediately thought, easy for you to say. <laughs> and so these disciples didn't quite get what was going on. Even though Jesus had said time and time again, we look in the text, the Father leads me and guides me, he would say. I only say the things that bring praise to my Father, Jesus would say. And that there's nothing to worry about because you belong to me and I belong to God. Despite all these assurances, it took him a while to get it. And I think that for you and me, friends, amidst all these promises from God, we do also eventually get it. We understand that we must believe in God and believe also in Christ. We understand that the point of life is not to stay alive. It's to stay in love, deeply rooted and grounded in God's love. Jesus wants them to stay in love by dwelling with them. Because we get this really interesting metaphor after that. You know, years ago, my mom, uh, who some of you had met, uh, she had a keen interest in design and in homes. And she would ask me every time I'd move to a new house or to an apartment, she would say, what's your favorite three by three space? 
your favorite spot in your home? Is it the cushion by the bay window? Is it, is it, is it a sofa across from a fire? Is it an easy chair? What, what it is for you? What's your favorite spot? One that you return to, to maybe read a book, maybe to have a, a cup of your favorite tea or coffee, to sit, to pray, to contemplate. For in my father's house, there are many dwelling places, which is an intimate question about where you and I feel comfortable with God, where we connect with God, where we are at home with God. Where and how do you find that intimate link with the Almighty? This text invites us to contemplate what helps you see and be seen. Where is it that helps you know and be known. It's a challenge in this passage about how you and I dwell most completely in that special place, that special place of closeness with God. And also the challenge is how can we dwell there more frequently, even all the time, as Jesus seemed to do? What's that look like for us? Is it a, a, a mindset? Where is that place of love where you are energized, where you are replenished, where you are refreshed? And how do we spend more time there if the point of life is not to stay alive, but to stay in love, to stay in God, to stay in Christ, to be grounded, centered, and obedient to love? You know, now more than ever, our world needs lovers. We have division in Israel. We have war in Ukraine. We have deadly tension in the Sudan. We have complete anarchy in Haiti. We have a government that wants to balance the budget off the backs of the poor, not working to collect taxes from those who have enough, but by cutting benefits to those who have too little. Where's the love? And how do we bring it into our public lives and into our personal lives? How can we know the way? Is how St. Thomas put it. And Jesus said, love is the way. Love is the truth. Love is the life. No one comes to the Father except through love. If you know love, you will know the Father also. From now on, you do know love, and you have seen love. Frustrated dear Philip asked, Lord, show us the Father, we'll be satisfied. This poor guy, he's so stupid. <laughs> he's so much like me. I have to see, my parents should name me Philip. And Jesus says, the Father's been with you this whole time, and you don't recognize him. Last June, I was reading... The news not too long ago, a 90 year old woman, she's this widow, she leaves her house in London, a little bungalow, and she goes to go to the rest home, and her kids go to the house, and they, okay, we're going to sell everything because, you know, rest homes are expensive. And so they go through the house, and they're just having this kind of jumble sale, and somebody points this old painting, it's above, you know, in her bedroom somewhere. You know, and I think that might be worth something. Let's take that and run it to like an auction house. And they did that, and they auctioned her look down, they did some research, and yeah, it was a, 400-year painting worth $321,000. We can all imagine the surprise they must have felt. And it makes you and me wonder about the valuable things we have, but we just don't realize we have. Jesus seems to think it's the presence and power of God's love all around us and in us. These things that we just don't know how valuable they are. Had this widow known a little bit about Italian Renaissance painters, she'd have been rich. How wealthy we become when we learn more and more about God's love, our inheritance, our greatest possession. How do we do that? How do we dwell? There's a scriptures, a prayer, a fellowship. How do we do that? Friends, every human person is a unique creation of love. Every human person is a unique creation of love. 
Every human person is an irreplaceable function within God's glorious plan of love. There is no such thing as competition. It's senseless to compare one gift with another. Neither one is better. Both are irreplaceable. We live in a world bound and determined to convince us that the things that are most important are things other than people. That the things we can see are more important than the things we can't. He who has the most toys wins. He who lives longest gets the prize. And we know, I ran across this really interesting quote from an environmental, um, environmental scientist, Zanella Meadows, and she says this, people don't need enormous cars. They need admiration and respect. They don't need a constant stream of new clothes. They need to feel that others consider them to be attractive. And they'll need excitement and variety and beauty. People don't need electronic entertainment. They need something interesting to occupy their minds and their emotions and so forth. Trying to fill real but non-material needs for identity and community and self-esteem and challenge and love and joy, trying to fill those with material things is to set up like this unquenchable appetite for false solutions to never satisfied longings. A society that allows itself to admit and articulate its non-material human needs and to find non-material ways to satisfy them, like what you're doing here this morning, requires much lower material and energy, and it provides much higher levels of human fulfillment. We know that. It's not the unexamined life that's not worth living, to paraphrase Socrates, as if attentiveness was the most important thing. No, it's the life void of love that's the hardest to work through. That's why you and I strive to be a people of love. And we strive to be a community of love. The point of life is not to stay alive, but to stay in love. Let this love, let God's love abound in us and be our life pursuit. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. And may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.